0: is this holiday season, be called back to worship. And I want to open us up in a a word of prayer, and then we'll get into the message. But Father God, I just want to thank you (laughs) that you are here with us now. Lord, that we have so many things to be grateful for. God, that you saw us in the midst of our despair. You saw us in the midst of of being lost. You saw us in a place where we were at our worst, and yet you still chose to love us. You still chose to die on the cross for us and forever changing our lives, forever giving us hope, forever giving us a Savior that will be there for us no matter what. So God, I pray that as we as a church worship Lord, that we really would make it about you and never about ourselves. And God, that this holiday season, as we remember who you are, what you've done, and (laughs) everything, that we would be called to worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we also have a study guide, so there is more to, to look at. You can get them on the back table or over here on the side table. Uh, This just gives you a more chance to kind of study what we're talking about today, but can you guys believe that it is December, it is Christmas time? You know, if you would have said that about two weeks ago, about half the people out there in the population would kill you because it hasn't happened, or Thanksgiving hasn't happened yet, the other half would be like, yeah, it's Christmas time, so... But it's, it's a really fun time of the season, it's just so much joy, so much happiness, and you know, we can all think back to when we're, we were children and think about the joy and think about, well, maybe not here in Texas, when you step outside and you smell that it's going to snow. I remember that in Pennsylvania, when it was cold outside and you would walk outside and you just smelled the air, you knew it was about to snow and that you were not going to have school most likely the next day. So there was a lot to celebrate uh, when snow days came. But let me ask you guys this: Have you ever kept a or have you ever made a promise that you didn't keep? Anybody? No. <laughs> no. Man, what is it? What does it feel like? Or how do you see people typically react when you've made them a promise and you don't keep it? It's painful. It's hard. It hurts. And often when we we break promises, we can see a reaction that takes place. Or how do you feel when somebody has broken a promise to you? It doesn't feel good. Because that word promise is like, I'm going to do this. I promise that I do this. I'm going to move forward. There's nothing that's going to get in my way. So when that is broken, it hurts. But the great thing about our God is that when he makes a promise, there is no breaking that promise. When God promises you something, he will follow through and he will do it. Sometimes it takes a lot longer than we think, when we, than we think it should. Sometimes we just feel like we're waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and it never happens. But if God said and that he promised it, it will happen. So let's look at a promise that God made to all of us and made to his people a really long time ago. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. God spoke this through a prophet in the Old Testament saying, hey, there will be a son that comes and this son will be over everything. He will be the ruler of all things and he will be a wonderful counselor. He will be uh, everlasting father. He will be prince of peace. He will be mighty God. He was setting forth the stage for a coming savior in Jesus Christ. Now, you can imagine that through the many prophecies and the many promises through the Old Testament, a lot of people that were God's people were just like, all right, when is this going to happen? I've been reading about this for a really long time. I've been waiting for this Savior to come, and he's still not here. And think about how many generations had that thought, he could be coming now. He could be coming now. I think we have a similar thing because we think about that when it comes to Revelation But the truth is, they were waiting and waiting and waiting for this promise to be fulfilled. But in Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 6, it says, And while they were there, Mary and Joseph, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. The promise had been fulfilled this long-awaited promise for a Savior to come to deliver us from our sin, to deliver us from death, to deliver us from all of those things, the promise had been fulfilled. This is something that we should be celebrating. This is what this time of year brings us to remember. This is the joy of this season, knowing that a promise had been fulfilled for all of us. Like I said, there, were, there was a time when people longed to know when the coming Savior would be here. They longed for it, waiting in anticipation for the Savior to come to deliver them from the fear of death, to deliver them from their sin and the weight of all of that they, that they struggled with. But let me tell you the good news about that. We do not live in a time of waiting for the promised Messiah. We live in a time where we can know the promised Messiah. We live in a time where the prophecy has been fulfilled, that the Savior of the world has come. He was born as a baby. He lived his life. He died on the cross. He raised again. We live in that time where we don't have to wait for it. He is already here. We can know him. We can take the time each and every day to say, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I thank you for what you did. Jesus, so much, you I love you so much that I cannot wait to spend time with you. This is the time that we live in, and he is always there with us. And when that promise was fulfilled, everything was changed. Everything was changed. I mean, I even think about the idea of the calendar. The calendar changed from B.C. to A.D. It changed time. It changed the way that we could live out our lives recognizing that we can be forgiven, that there is a chance at life, that we don't have to fear eternity of hell because there is a Savior that was born. And when we came to that place of knowledge, of knowing who Jesus is, the Holy Spirit began to go in on us and transform us to know what the truth is. Not not just the world was changed, but everything within us was changed. (laughs) This is a lot that we have to be thankful for and to step into worship about. This season is a reminder of that, so why shouldn't we be called to worship? Matthew chapter 2, this is where we're going to be spending most of our our time today. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 2, starting verse 1. It says now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king behold wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying where is he who has been born king of the jews for we saw his star and when it rose and have, uh, when it rose and have come to worship him. So they saw that the star that was promised was, w- rose in the sky and they were seeking out the king of the Jews, the one that was promised, and they were ready to worship him. When we hear the good news of Jesus, we should be drawn to worship him. When we hear that message that our lives can be changed, we don't have to carry the weight of all of our former life. We don't have to have that on our shoulders. We don't have to worry about the sin that we make because we know that we are forgiven and that should draw us to worship. The wise men heard of this king and they were like, we got to go find him. We, got, we saw the, the star, so we know that he's here. We have to go find Jesus. We have to go find this king so we can get there and worship our Savior, so we can meet him and, and know that everything has changed. This is how it is for us, right? When we come to know Jesus, maybe we've gone to church for a long time and, and we've heard the message over and over again, but there was nothing that ever really set in, but when it sits in, the Holy Spirit grabs a hold of our hearts. We understand the truth of Jesus Christ. We can't do anything but bow down and worship him. Recognizing all is washed away. All of our sins, all of our tarnish, all of the blackness that's within us. The blood of Jesus that shed over us has washed as white as snow. Many people are looking for hope and redemption in this life. Many of us, even in this room, are looking for hope and redemption, not realizing that we already have it. We just need to turn to Jesus, but we can look around in this world and we can notice that people have weight on their shoulders. You can look at people in this room and recognize that there is weight on your shoulders and there is something that is holding you down and beating you down, but recognize Jesus has already come. The promise is fulfilled and you no longer have to carry that weight because Jesus has saved you. The promised Savior can take that weight, bring hope, bring redemption, bring forgiveness, and bring reconciliation to close the gap that we once had between us and him. We don't have to live in the fear that God hates us because he never hates us, and he promised that. He loves you more than anything I'm grateful that Jesus came into my life that I could recognize that there is hope because there's many times in life where everything seemed hopeless. But because of Jesus, I recognized that there was something on the other side. That Jesus is with me, he gave me light in the dark. And I know that he's done that for many of you in this room. Maybe right now you're looking for that light. He is there. Keep looking. Many of us are looking for redemption because we've done things within our lives that we're not proud of, that we regret, but recognize that through Jesus's redemption, we can go to him no matter what those things are, and we can be forgiven. And I'm so grateful for that forgiveness, and I'm so grateful that there is reconciliation so that I can come to God no matter what I've done today, no matter what I've done this week you can still go to him because Jesus closed the gap between us and God. Those that hear the good news and are transformed are drawn to a place of gratefulness, contentment, submission, and worship. You know, last week Tyler talked about the idea of contentment and and thankfulness and just the idea uh, that we often have a skewed idea that when we receive things, that's what makes us content, but that's not what makes us content. The thing that should make us content is recognizing that we don't get what we deserve. Because all of us in this room have sinned, all of us have messed up, all of us are deserving of death, and none of us want that, right? Right? Am I right? Nobody wants that in this room. I don't want it. So we can live in contentment knowing what Jesus did for us. And we can live in contentment in who Jesus is in our lives and that he came to us and we are so thankful for that. The hardest part I think we have of this is getting into a place of submission with Jesus. And when we have a hard time getting into a place of submission with Jesus, we often also have a hard time of worshiping. But let's take a look at Matthew chapter 2, verse 3. It says, When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Okay, I'm just going to stop there for a second. These are God's people, right? Herod is the king of God's people and they are hearing from the wise men that the king of the Jews has been born, the promised savior has been born. Their reaction is not being drawn to worship. They are troubled. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. The guy that was leading God's people didn't even know where Jesus was to be born at. They had been lost from God. They had been far from God. They lost where they came from. There are those that hear the good news of Jesus and are troubled by it and that should trouble us as Christians. We should be troubled by the fact that there are people out there in this world that openly reject Jesus, that are troubled when they hear Jesus, that get angry when they hear about Jesus because we recognize that they're giving up forgiveness, they're giving up redemption, they're giving up eternal life with Jesus but honestly not everybody in this world is looking for redemption because sometimes they don't think the things that they are doing are wrong anybody in this room like to be told that you're wrong (laughs) Sean's like "Eh." (laughs) sometimes maybe But there are a lot of people in this world that don't like to be told when they're wrong. So therefore saying, hey, what you're doing is a sin against Jesus. They're like, no, thank you. I like what I'm doing. I'm fine with what I'm doing. I like the life that I'm living. The submission piece is is gone. They have decided that the gospel is not good news. And that's really hard for us to understand and that's really hard for us to accept because when we are sharing the gospel with others, we are doing it out of our hearts, out of love for Jesus, out of love for them because we don't want them to have an eternity of of death. We don't want them to have an eternity in hell. So this should trouble our hearts when there are people that are turning away from Jesus, that are turning down Jesus turning down the promise that God gave for all people in this world. And the truth is, most of the time they're doing this is because they do not want to give up control of their lives. I think many of us in this room have a hard time giving up control of our lives to Jesus. But our response in the midst of being troubled and in our response to when people reject the gospel, this is a time where we can step into a place of worship by getting on our knees, submitting ourselves to God and praying for them. Because when we are going to God, when it's all about Him, when it's all about who He is, we should be on our knees praying for the lost. We should be on our knees praying for our families that have rejected who Jesus is. Praying for our friends, praying for strangers, praying for people that that we meet. That they find Jesus and can spend eternity with Him. We should be seeking Jesus on their behalf. Because if they don't want it, they need somebody that wants it for them. So we're going to jump down a couple verses, but at this point, you begin to see that Herod is formulating a plan because he asks the wise men, hey, where, and the scribes, hey, where is Jesus supposed to be born? And he goes, he tells the wise men, and he's like, I want you to come back and, and tell me uh, because then I want to go and worship him. But this is uh, this is the the response that the, the wise men have at first. In Matthew chapter two, starting in nine, it says, After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that had been uh, that had seen they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary. His mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts gold and frankincense and myrrh. How many of you can remember when you met Jesus for the first time? How many of you can remember the way that it felt? How many of you can remember the impact on your life? Whether it was drawn to tears and emotion, recognizing that all the stuff that you had done in life is now gone. Were you drawn to a place of joy and laughter as you knew that everything was going to be different? That your life was changed? The wise men here, as they're meeting Jesus for the first time, it says that they were exceedingly joyful as they drew close. And as they got to him, they saw him as a baby and they bowed down and worshipped him and brought gifts and presented themselves to him. We've all had that moment when we met Jesus for the first time that we submitted our lives to him saying, Jesus, I want you. Jesus, I present myself to you. I submit myself to you. But through the journeys of life, it can be easy to forget the joy, excitement, and power of when we met Jesus for the first time. Right? It can be really easy as Christians, especially the longer that you have been a Christian, to really forget that moment. To forget how you felt when you met Jesus. To forget the joy because the burdens of life just continue to beat us down. Never forget. We can forget how to bow down and we can forget our reasons to worship. Sometimes we can come into church on a Sunday and we're just not feeling it. Again, it's about us. We're not feeling like we should worship. We're not feeling we like we should engage in worship. But again, it's, it's not about you. It's about him. It's about what he's done. We've got to begin to move beyond ourselves and our relationship with Jesus. We cannot forget why we should be worshiping him. We need reminders in our lives. It's one of the reasons we come to church, right? We want to be reminded why Jesus, or that Jesus came and changed our lives. We need people in our lives that remind us of what Jesus has done. We need people around us. And this time of season is such a great time as a reminder of what Jesus has done. We need reminders to bring ourselves before the Lord. It's not good enough to just think about it. But we should begin to take action in a place of worship for Jesus. And I, I said, this is such a joyous time of year because we are reminded that Jesus changed everything. 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 I want you to think about that just for a minute. Jesus changed everything in this world. Jesus changed everything that we could believe. He changed everything that we could do. He changed everything about us. What did Jesus change for you? (laughs) Other than saying everything, (laughs) you know? But as I said... Not all people are happy when they hear the message of Jesus. And we saw that Herod was, was troubled, that the, the people of, of God were troubled when they heard that the, the king of the Jews had been born. And as Herod said, hey, I want to I know where he is so I can go and worship him too. This right here was his real intent in Matthew chapter 2, verse 12. And says, being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, talking about the wise men, they departed to their own country by another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Herod was not drawn to a place of worship. He was drawn to a place that he wanted to murder a child and when he realized that the 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 wise men were not returning to him his response was hey let's go to that area and let's kill all of the babies that were born in this time this is the response that Herod had when he heard about the coming savior There are many people in life, in this world, that want to wipe out and erase Jesus. We see this on a continual basis. We see this in our our laws. We see this in our country. We see this around the world. We see this through persecution, that when somebody in another country is found to be a Christian, that they're murdered. People are trying to wipe out Jesus. We see it in, in this holiday Happy holidays. Don't say Merry Christmas. And just different ways that, that we see, we also see the idea of, of consumers taking over this holiday. All of the, the, the big businesses and everything point to the fact this holiday is about consumption and getting things and, and pulling away from who Jesus is. It's trying to make us forget what this season is all about. But as I talk about the world and the idea of the way that we can see everything trying to pull away from Jesus for those that are threatened by the gospel of Jesus as they begin to try to to wipe it away, I want you guys to remember this, that in in this life there will always be people that oppose the gospel, but we forget sometimes that we oppose the gospel. The days that we choose to honor ourselves rather than going to a place of worship. We oppose the gospel. When we decide to go against what the word of God says we oppose the gospel. When we choose not to share the gospel with other people we're going against the gospel. Because most of the times we aren't doing those things or we, or we are doing those things because we're scared. Or because we're thinking of ourselves. We are often in a place of putting ourselves above Jesus, putting ourselves above God, and we are in opposition to the gospel. We see it in many things that Jesus has been pushed out and not even given a seat at the table. Even to the point that, you know, Jesus may be knocking on the door, but like oh, you can stay out in the snow. We're good. I would rather not have you come into this situation. So therefore, I am going to to push you out, and I am not going to allow you to have a seat in my life. But even as we look at ourselves, we can see where we have done this too. We can look at our lives and say, maybe I I worship Jesus at church. Maybe I, I worship Jesus at home, but I don't worship Jesus when I go out. I don't worship Jesus at work. I don't worship Jesus at school. And there's plenty of times where we do not give Jesus a seat at the table in certain areas of our lives. There are those who feel threatened by Jesus and will do whatever it takes to remove him. Are there times in your life where you have removed Jesus? Are there points in times in your life where you're just saying no, thank you, Jesus, I got this. This situation, I got, I, I got this. I don't, I don't need you here. I can handle it. When we were pushing out Jesus, well, that's what we're saying: is Jesus, I don't need you. I got this. This is what around the world as they begin to try to wipe out Jesus and erase him out of things, Jesus. I got this, I don't don't need you. That sacrifice you made, nah, I'm good. This is what happens when we begin to step in a place of opposing the gospel, not giving Jesus a seat, is that we can slowly begin to remove him. And the problem is here, is that many people live a life trying to fill an emptiness inside, and they will use addictions They will use material things, they will use money, and they will use power. But that emptiness will never be filled. Because we are a people, the whole world, that are drawn to something. And we are in search of something. And that thing that we are longing for, that thing that we are searching for, is Jesus. And that is the only thing that can fill that emptiness. And we often do this too as Christians. Instead of turning to God as our greatest treasure, we turn to something else. But Jesus is our greatest treasure and the thing that gives us hope in the midst of despair, that gives us strength when we are weak, that is there for us in all circumstances, that loves us when we feel unlovable, that is there for us when we feel alone. We are never alone because Jesus is there. But instead we turn to something else. We can intentionally or unintentionally become one of these people. But giving Jesus a seat at your table through times of worship and remembrance can prevent this. Jesus, I'm too tired today. I don't think I can spend any time in worship. Jesus, I'm too tired today. I'm not, I'm not saying doing this every now and then, but when it becomes a trend in your life, One day turns to two days, turns to three days, turns to four days, turns to a continual basis where other than on Sundays or other times where you come here to church, that you are not allowing a place for Jesus. Sometimes, like I said, it's intentional because maybe you're angry at God. Maybe you're, you're grieved to God. Maybe something that didn't go the way that you thought it should go, so therefore you begin to phase Jesus out because you're, you're angry at him. You're upset at him. You have a grievance with God. Or maybe it's just an unintention, unintentional thing because life is busy. I think we can all say in this room that life is busy, and it's easy to push out Jesus. But if we take the time daily to, to get to a place of worship, to be called to a place of worship, and a time just of remembrance in what Jesus has done for us, the way that we are transformed, the promise that has been fulfilled, these little things can prevent us from going down that road of unintentionally or intentionally pushing out Jesus because the more that time that we spend with him, the more time we will know him. And the more time that we know him, the more we will understand when we are going through things that there is a hope. My final point is daily choosing to give our lives over to Jesus is the greatest act of worship we can do. Giving our lives to him, sacrificing our lives, sacrificing control of our lives, giving it over to him, is the greatest act of worship that we can do. Because we are completely removing ourselves from the situation and giving it to him. We are completely trusting in who he is. We are uh, accepting the, the forgiveness and we are moving beyond where we were before. We say, Jesus, I, I trust in your plan. But like, as I said, it is not easy to live a life of worship because not every day is rainbows and butterflies. Not every day is easy. Some days you just wake up and you know it's going to be a hard day. Sometimes you wake up and two minutes into your day you stub your toe and you're like, okay, this is a bad start to the day. You know that stubbing your toe on the way to the bathroom in the morning is never a good way to start the day. <laughs> And it is easy to become a person that slowly begins to erase Jesus out of our lives as we put other things as a priority. It's easy to look around, to put our uh, job as a priority, to put our schoolwork as a priority, to put all of these things as a priority over Jesus because it's something that's directly in front of us. But imagine if we would put Jesus directly in front of us every day, the priority that we would begin to put on him. In the hard times, we have hope. And those that know Jesus know that he can bear the weight of our troubles. If you have a new trouble every day, Jesus can take it. Don't allow that to be the thing that distracts you from worshiping him. Yes. Thank him for it. Thank him that he can take it away. Thank him that he can be there to walk with you through it. Trust in God that he can care for you. It's time to stop fighting him. Sometimes we are so busy fighting God for control over our lives that we can miss out on what he's trying to do. Let him care for you. Let him care for you. Stop fighting him. He's saying, I'm right here. I'm right here with you, and I want to walk through this with you. I want to help you. I want to be there. I want to take your sin. I want to take all of these things. Stop holding on to it. Stop fighting me for these things that you don't have to. You know, we've talked, been talking about control, that we take control of our lives all morning, and I want to close out with, with this verse, and I want to welcome the, the band to come back up. Luke 17, verse 33. Whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life will keep it. This verse clearly tells us if we try to live with control over our own lives and don't give it over to him, we are going to lose ourselves. We are going to lose our lives. But if we give our lives to him, We can be saved. It's easy to think that if we can control our lives and control the things that are going on, that things are going to be easier, that we can handle it. But the more and more weight that we begin to bear, the more and more we begin to lose ourselves. Jesus wants to bear your burdens. He wants to bear your weight and allow you to live life. It's time to get to a place where you can be called to worship and submit to him. Because we can always remember that promise that was made so long ago it has been fulfilled and he is here with us. So let me ask you these questions as the band begins to play. Do you feel that you don't need Jesus in your life and that you have everything under control? Or are you a person Uh, that is on the fence, but you can't carry the weight of this life anymore? Are you a person that is ready to give up control to Jesus, but don't know how? Or are you a person who has given your life to Jesus and recognized that you can't do this without Him? You need to evaluate where you are with those things and during this time of worship, this is a chance for us to bring our lives into submission to him. This is, as you say, the altars are always open if you just want to come up and get down on your knees and say, Jesus, I want to submit my life to you. Or if you want us to pray for you and, and help you to understand how you can give your life and your control over to Jesus, we would love to pray with you too. But this season, trust in the plan and the purpose that Jesus has for you, let him be the savior of your life and worship him not just with a song or on Sunday, but with your life. Make your life about him, and not yourself. Father God, I want to thank you that we can live in this time of... of knowing that you are here that you uh, have fulfilled that promise lord that you sacrificed everything in in heaven to to come here to this broken world to be with us to show the depth of your love that you were willing to to come and and be in a broken body to go to a place where you carried your cross that you were beaten that you were nailed and uh, You did all of that out of love for us. God, in that act, you gave up control of your life and put it in the hands of people that did nothing but hurt and destroy you. So God, I pray that we can follow that example of your son and give up our lives, give up control to you and recognize that we will not be treated the way that your son was when he gave himself for us. So, God, I pray that we would stop fighting you, but Lord, that we would give everything over to you, recognizing you as our Lord and Savior and the King of our lives. God, I pray that we would be drawn to a place of worship in you. God, we thank you so much. We love you. Amen.